You're hearing Big Floyd's freestyle from DJ Screw's Diary of an Originator, Chapter 319, Floyd and Screw 98. Big Floyd, real name George Floyd, was brutally murdered by the Minneapolis police this week in broad daylight after attempting to spend a fake $20 bill in a grocery store. Protests and riots in Minneapolis were still taking place as we recorded this on Thursday, May 28, 2020. In reaction to the senseless, malicious murder and the dehumanizing treatment of black Americans at the hands of the state. We wanted to speak to someone from the city as soon as we could to get some context, so I reached out to a friend. Journalist Steve Marsh, who's lived in the city for decades and is a senior writer at Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. Steve has followed the politics and history of the Minneapolis Police Department and the city and shares with us his perspective on the ongoing events as they relate to a much longer timeline. I'm Lil Internet, joined by New Models co-founder Carly Busta and artist Daniel Keller, and with guest Steve Marsh for this special report on the murder of George Floyd and the civil unrest in Minneapolis. New model special report. So we have a, a special guest joining us today because of what's going on in Minneapolis. Steve Marsh, I'll let you introduce yourself. I haven't talked to you in a while, but I'm very happy to uh, have you join us and to see your face over the internet at least again. My name is Steve Marsh. Uh, I'm the senior writer with Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. It's a city magazine that comes out monthly here in, in Minneapolis. And I've written for some national publications, whether it's Pitchfork, GQ, Wall Street Journal, some stuff like that. You know, just like all of us now with advertising revenue down, I'm doing a Tuesday night show for Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine called How Did It Get So Late? And my guest next Tuesday that I just booked today that I'm really excited about is Jeremiah Ellison, who is a city council person. His father, Keith Ellison, is the attorney general for Minnesota and was a multi-term in the House of Representatives. And they're both from the north side of Minneapolis, which is our historic black neighborhood. Our black community and our communities of need have been concentrated on, in one neighborhood on the north side. Although what you're hearing about now, George Floyd, who was murdered by a Minneapolis police officer that happened on the south side of the city in another historic black neighborhood around 38th and Chicago is he was, he was uh, murdered in front of this uh, Cup Foods, which is not a chain store. It's like a grocery store. And uh, the city has been roiled in unrest and protests. And uh, it, it uh, kind of broke into riots last night. I live four miles north of where all this was going on. And talking to some of my friends, some people were like, maybe people from not from that neighborhood shouldn't be going down there because it's also the middle of a pandemic. And I was concerned about uh, either getting sick myself or spreading illness. And uh, I, d I could smell this kind of chemical smoke because uh, around midnight, one in the morning last night, there was a AutoZone car repair caught on fire and just belching out uh, chemical smoke. There was southeasterly winds last night, so I could smell it in my backyard for my Miles away, it was it was really hard to, to rest last night and to, and, and to sleep and to, I don't know it's it's really sad what's happening. I admire all the protesters who did show up with their bodies. If they're from the black community that is angered and most victimized by police brutality in Minneapolis, or allies from other neighborhoods who did show up to be arm in arm, but I am concerned. One of the things that caught fire last night was a. A public housing development you know mm -hmm. it's like so like who is being hurt here 
Uh, there's been rumors about agent provocateurs. It's kind of like fog of war stuff when uh, when, a, when a riot happens, you know, and it's like, is it the police fault for using rubber bullets and gas uh, too early on or unnecessarily altogether? Is it some agent provocateur who is breaking windows and smashing into buildings? I don't know. Or is it just like when you have that kind of anger and sadness and despair, is it just kind of like you're just riding that tiger? So... Right. Yeah, man, a lot's going on in Minneapolis. Yeah, I think uh, one thing just about the the person who has murdered George Floyd. I mean, I talked briefly to our mutual friend Naim Spankrock, who spent some time in Minneapolis. He told me about George uh, Floyd, though. Just some background. He heard that. Uh, well, first of all, we heard on the news that the crime he committed was trying to pass off a counterfeit $20 bill, which is, there's a lot of subtext to read into that in itself. First of all, that that would result in the death of somebody. But second of all, I think just the meaningless of money in this time anyways, when we see billionaires being bailed out mm. and trillions just printed out of a magic money machine, uh, what like why a, a, a black man printing his own $20 bill is, is suddenly worth well, him dying over is particularly absurd. I don't know I what think. happened. I don't know what happened. Whether I, I, I did read that it was a counterfeit $20 bill. I, I, I think uh, with, with unemployment at 30% in America right now, some people say there's 40 million unemployed. George Floyd was uh, working as a bouncer at a restaurant here, Conga Latin Bistro, which is also kind of a dance nightclub, you know? So he's working security at the door. That place has been uh, shuttered by the pandemic since March. So I don't know what he was doing for money. I know he has a daughter. I don't know much about him, only what I've read in the last couple of days. But uh, who among us can't empathize with money being tight? Sure, we have help right now, but that help could be running out at the end of June. Mm -hmm. You might be worried about conserving your money beyond that. You're not sure if your job is going to come back. I've, I've written a check when I know I didn't have money in my deposit. It's a small leap there from going to maybe a bill that either is fake or not. And he even knows what his intent was. And regardless of his intent, it's a nonviolent crime mm -hmm. that he paid for with his life without a jury and without a judge, man, in the middle right. of a Minneapolis street in broad daylight. I mean, just to humanize him also a bit more, just give a more detailed picture. Um, I mean, Naeem also mentioned to me that I guess Big Fridia, a bounce artist from New Orleans, tweeted that when she played in Minneapolis, had him be a bouncer at, at their show. Oh, wow, the right, but right. Um, if you're in the music community, as a lot of our listeners are, I mean, I guess he worked, this is a guy he who... bounced at techno shows, too. Right. He worked techno shows, you know? Yeah, so this is a guy who, who could have been the, the guy at, at your event protecting your concert your show totally. you know you could have seen this man if you played in minneapolis interacted yes. with this man i mean and he's a star quarterback yeah. and there's other uh, of course right, yeah. like but, history of his yeah i mean well, the, he's the, from houston I, I guess he uh, had some connections to the chopped and screwed kind of crew down there huh. wow uh, he actually uh got on a few tracks i i guess he could spit um, you know, like uh, he was an artist. He was a bouncer. There's a NBA player, Stephen Jackson, who has a, a podcast called All the Smoke. And he is from the Port Arthur area, which is about 90 miles away from Houston. But he knew George Floyd. I guess they referred to each other as twin because they're both tall, big guys. 
you know, Big Floyd came up here. This is according to Steven Jackson. And he was looking at becoming a truck driver. So he's going to truck driver school up here. So, you know, I hope Minneapolis can be a place where you can pursue opportunities. And it's a cool place. And we're associated with Prince. And instead of being a place that our cops kill black people, and then we riot about it, and then nothing will be done. This is the cycle in Minneapolis. And this has happened not only in the 40 years that I've been around Minneapolis, but going back Minneapolis has been a city since about 1867, 1868. And the police force came in around right after that, starting in like the 60s, 50s and 60s, but all the way back has been a cycle of violence. And then people getting into the street, whether it's union employees or American Indians or black people or Latinos or whoever being like, this can't stand, we need to change. And then there's promises made. And then those promises aren't kept. And that has been over 100 years, a cycle of violence that we haven't been able to stop. For every guy like Floyd that gets killed, how many people are getting bullied or beaten up? Minneapolis, just in the last like 10 years, dozens of millions of dollars that have been paid out in civil suits for police violence. Like this can't continue, man. And I don't know what to do about it. Do I go to City Hall today? Uh, where there's a protest right now? Do I use my platform to interview public officials or activists? Can I donate anywhere? It's like uh, how, how it's just a feeling of helplessness and despair because we don't see real change. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, this is also going on in real time right now. We're, we're talking to you on Thursday, not even 1 p.m. there, I guess. Uh, and apparently there's still people on the streets. Helicopters are circling. Police car windows are being smashed. This is still actively ongoing. I can imagine it might be d difficult to plan in a time where the situation is still actively emerging. Uh, so, so I'm trying to figure out, like, um, you know, why did what happened last night happen? Right. Who's responsible for that? And then right now, so there are four police officers on the scene. One of them who put his knee on George Floyd's neck until he was asphyxiated. And then his partner that was doing uh, perimeter control. And then another two cops who were working in the background, and they have all been fired. They were fired within 24 hours by the police chief. But we're going on 48 hours now, and there nobody has been arraigned or arrested. Mm. Uh, charges haven't been brought yet. I think one of the reasons we have so much chaos around here is because we're not sure that justice is going to be done because right. it hasn't been done yet. I mean, and that is, I mean, you know, riots are always sad because oftentimes, you know, there are innocent people who get hurt in the mix, but they are what happens when there's no other recourse. They are the form of expression that is like the last option that's available when all the other options aren't working. And so, right. I mean, you know, we hope hopefully that out of this explosion of energy and frustration, hopefully you know, the smoke signal does actually create some change. I mean, I guess the problem is with the national government, we're at a loss. I would hope that the Minneapolis government would be in a position to make some healing moves. Well, that's 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 where that's where I despair. So the Minneapolis Police Department has a, a union called the, the Police Federation. The Police Federation has been in existence since 1916. There's this wonderful history that was been written on the Minneapolis Police Department that's available on Twitter. I think their Instagram handle is MPD underscore 150. Tells about the kind of uh, the history of the police federation. But this union is so powerful 
And anytime that there's been reform, whether it's been community-based reform or, or external government pressure for reform, there's, there's this external body that the force is about 800 strong that have voted for this union. Their leader, Bob Kroll, is, was just on stage with Trump at a big rally downtown Minneapolis. So we understand he's been aligned with white supremacy groups and he has overwhelming support by the rank and file. And uh, he is and the, the Federation is and has always been a huge structural roadblock mm. to any kind of meaningful change. Mm. The, the police chief was interviewed by a television station last night. It's our first black police chief in Minneapolis in the more than 100-year-old history of the force. Arandondo is his last name. And Chief Arandondo was saying, hey, I would like to change the culture here, but we have an old guard of old school guys that need to retire or, right. or or quit until I can have new people who are more understanding of how civil liberties are understood in this day and age. And it was like the most impotent statement I've heard, right? Here's a police chief telling me that there's structural issues of racism in his department that's supposed to be protecting all of us. And he really can't do anything about it until these guys retire of their own volition. It's like uh, it, denazification it, it, had to happen in Germany in order for there to be like a new hope for a liberal society, right? Like there had to be denazification. There has to be like D right. like, I don't know what the word would be for that, but. Um, and it took, it took a, a humiliating defeat uh, uh, basically twice, right? For, yeah, for yes. That kind of reform yes, to happen. Yes. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. We often talk about it. didn't the CIA so, building here. plenty of Nazis so. embedded in the police force in Germany. Right, you got right. the AFD there and stuff now. Correct. It's very active and it's growing in power. So so what what do we do here when supposedly we're, we're built on liberty? It's one thing to think about the federal government and what, how messed up Washington is, but then to think about our own police department here. If you look at the history of police in America, it's constabulary force. It's kind of based on the the forces that kept Ireland down. It's it's based on this like English model of a mm. sheriff. You know, you think right, about like possible. Robin Hood, right? And so like that's that's what our force is based on. But then you add another layer in America of people who were slave catchers who wore badges, right? Oh, right? And and it's all about looking at human beings as property. And police forces are about addressing the needs of the people who own that property. And that's the problem. So, like, there are voices in, in this community right now that um, I think are growing in credibility just because of the lack of progress that has been made that are maybe ask, they're asking, like, can a police force, is that really what keeps everybody safe in a community? Maybe there's other ways to keep the peace than with a militarized armed group of 800 guys that uh, aren't even since 1998, at least when there was a law passed by the, our professional wrestling governor at that time, Jesse Ventura in 1998, that uh, <laughs> banned the practice of requiring police officers to live in your community. So we have a very high rate of people who don't even live here. So they're almost like an occupying army from another part of the state, a whiter part, part of the state, that is here to oppress people that could threaten perhaps property or capital. The, this guy that was killed was a big guy, a big black guy that obviously scared these guys. They put him in a 
chokehold, even though that we have a tape of that he wasn't resisting arrest, he scared them somehow. And I'm wondering, yeah, maybe it is because he's physically bigger, but I think it's because they, uh, black people and poor people and union workers uh, have always threatened the powers that be in a way that the white people who just protested this liberate Minnesota thing and showed up at our state capitol with machine guns, there was no mace and uh, and plastic rubber bullets and bags at these guys, you know, but uh, there was in the street last night. So I'm I, I'm wondering what they're scared of. It's vicious and it's uh, it's it's uh, violent. I mean, in a, a system that quantifies people is is about protecting property, uh, considers the inherent value of everything else. It makes it a lot more apparent why looting becomes the strongest yeah. voice to use in response um, right, right. And it's like, well, you don't care about us, so we're going to smash into your uh, department store and, I don't know, carry home some TVs and Vitamixes. It's not because we need TVs and Vitamixes, you know? I mean, but actually it was funny. Well, we, we did we, see we, several we, crockpots. There were crockpots, towels. <laughs> we were like, people are literally looting the stuff that, like, they need or that like is actually like average like it's not like they're looting like jewels they're looting like right. yeah, crock pots but also like right. what targets like net worth is like 62 some point something billion i mean like who cares and target, right target is from here oh is target it? is based in minneapolis hmm. yeah it's based in minneapolis it comes out, comes out of a 19th century mercantile family called the daytons who was our last governor before this governor was Mark Dayton, Eric Dayton. He just shuttered his restaurant, uh, The Bachelor Farmer. But uh, his mom is a Rockefeller. So the Dayton family is where Target comes from. Hmm. So like there's there, there's some uh, symbolic history there as well. Yeah, you know, like- um, Steve, I know you have to uh, go. I, I wanted to ask you, though, if there were particular black voices, activist voices on the ground you wanted to point people towards in Minneapolis. The kind of wonderful uh, activist uh, organization that covers the news here that's that has a different tone from some of the more establishment media, whether it's uh, Minneapolis St. Paul magazine that I work for or the Star Tribune is our major daily or Minnesota Public Radio. But there's this group of people called Unicorn Riot. Right. That is always on the front line uh, at U-R underscore ninja. So like that, that's something that people want to actually follow along and see what's happening for themselves mm-hmm. without coming down here or coming down to these areas and, and possibly contracting or spreading uh, COVID-19. Maybe that's uh, one way they could do it. Um, I'm intrigued and I'm trying to learn more about them. The Black Visions Collective, uh, the uh, MPD 150, like I mentioned before. And, uh, you know, then there's always the old school guys, whether it's Spike Moss, who has been involved with Northside politics for a long time. Jeremiah Ellison, he's a, at least a, a young voice of the of the new establishment. And uh, uh, there's this other this uh, local lawyer who has been involved with Black Lives Matter, who is also uh, a powerful voice, Nikimi Levy Armstrong. And uh, it's, uh, it's uh, at N-V-L-E-V-Y. So check cool. her out. I mean, she she says what she feels, very outspoken. And this isn't just happening in Minneapolis. You know, there was a, a kind of a solidarity protest in Los Angeles last night uh, that closed the 101 freeway. You know, I hope that all this attention can bring these officers to to justice. I, I believe charges should be brought against them as soon yeah. as possible. I think we already have enough evidence that charges can be brought, they can be arrested, and that would do a tremendous amount to help kind of at least stanch some of this civil unrest, you know? 
Right. So because totally. the longer it goes on, the more people are going to get sick and the more people are going to get hurt. That's right. Great. Cool. Steve, Thank- thanks a lot. Thank, Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Steve Marsh, for joining us. You can find links to support protesters, organizations, and the family of George Floyd below. For more of New Models, visit newmodels.io and patreon.com slash newmodels for all of our podcasts. Rest in peace, Big Floyd. Oh